Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I am Pastor Ryan. Have you ever wondered where missionaries come from or where they go? In our churches today, we need to have a greater attention to fulfilling Jesus' command to make disciples by involving our people in the action of sending missionaries and investing our people in the missionary enterprise by looking for opportunities to share the hope of Christ right where we are. Today we're going to walk through Paul's essential characteristics of bringing someone to faith found in Romans chapter 10. Thanks for listening. by telling you about us a time that my wife and I went up to Calumet to pick blueberries uh, maybe some of, some of you have been up there to the blueberry fields in Calumet uh, I didn't know this as we got started but my wife's very competitive <laughs> and so if we each got a bucket you, you know what the game is who can fill the bucket first right um, as she and I uh, went after this we actually have two completely different strategies for picking blueberries um, I will stay in one place, and I will pick the bush clean so I don't leave any. And she will just grab whichever is the easiest to grab and just go right down the line. So two completely different strategies. And interestingly, as uh, we look to the results of that, you would find that her blueberries contained all kinds of green ones and <laughs> pink ones, and they weren't all blue, uh, but mine were gorgeous. Just... <laughs> I, I, I use that illustration because uh, it, it makes me consider a core conviction that I've had as a believer, which is if I only have a limited amount of time, what is my strategy for getting the most done in this time that I have? You know, as we're picking blueberries, we only have so much time to pick, and so you have to have a plan as to go after this and, and attack this. And as Christians in this world, listen now, you only have so much time. You only have so many grains of sand in the hourglass, and nobody knows here how much is left. Because of that, there ought to be a sense of urgency and intentionality behind our service to God. What if, think with me on this, what if God was counting on you to share the gospel? It's a little scary thought, isn't it? What if God was counting on you to be the one to tell those in your community, your family, uh, those in your work environment about Christ, to share the love of Christ. Uh, it ought to cause us to understand this idea of urgency and that we need to make sure that we are taking uh, advantage and making the most of every opportunity to get it done. The title of this message is Sent into the World, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. Uh, I invite you to turn there with me. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, a, a sermon this morning that you need to put your seatbelt on for because we're going to move fast. Everybody with me? Say amen if you're with me. Amen. Okay, so I I'm ask for your extra polished attention here. Romans chapter 10. 1760. Page 1760 in the Pew Bibles if, you, if you're searching for it. Uh, Romans 10 comes right after Romans 9. <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. Okay. Here we go. Let's, uh, Paul here is writing to the, to the church in Rome, and he reaches a point where he's addressing his own countrymen. He's addressing the nation of Israel, and, and the question will be, well, what happened to them? Well, why is it all of Israel believes? Why have they rejected? That's the scope of the background. Read, uh, follow along with me here in chapter 10, verse 1. Paul writes, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites 
is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God. And they sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the, is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes it this way, the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. All right, I'm going to pause there, just give a little comment. Um, that, that's that sense of duty. I, I need to earn it. I need to make it my own. Look, you, you work harder, try better in order for God to love you. You're righteous because of your effort. That, that, that's the false understanding. That's the confusion that, that saturated Israel. And they formed a whole system of righteousness around what they could accomplish. Paul's saying here, that's not how it works. Look in verse 6. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I have uh, five observations, and in your sermon notes, you might see a little puzzle there. There's a, I got a word of comment on that as we get towards the end of this message. But see if you can, see if you can. Lo- don't get distracted now, church. Don't don't let me lose you on this. But uh, see if you can identify the words in there. Uh, the first observation: we're to count down backwards. Uh, we're we're going to walk up to Paul's point. So uh, the end of it, the goal of it, ends with calling. That's the action of faith. Did you hear it in verse 13? Look with me again there. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I, I want to make a, uh, I got to stress this point really importantly here. Ready? It is not enough for you to simply believe in God. Did I say that loud enough? Did everybody get it? It is not enough for you to simply believe in God or go to church or get baptized or listen to a sermon. Ain't enough. You have to have actionable faith, which here for Paul is expressed by calling. The other day, uh, my, my little uh, four-year-old, Sadie, uh, was riding on her little bike. It's her favorite thing to do. Daddy, want to ride my bike? Want to go outside and ride my bike? And so she's on her bike, and I'm kind of next to her, and she hits the edge of the, um, uh, like our little garden area right by the front door. And she's got these training wheels. Now, training wheels are supposed to help, but sometimes I think the training wheels actually make it harder because she's knocking into all these obstacles. 
And sure enough, being high center of gravity hits that and she starts to tip. Now, let me ask you, does she believe that her dad can catch her? Does she believe that? Yes. Totally believes that, right? But she just tips straight over. Did she, did she, she, didn't, she didn't tip over. She called. She cried out for help. Now, what did I as her dad do when I heard her call? <laughs> I reached out my hand and I grabbed her. And I kept her from falling. Now, had I not been watching, had she not called, she would have fallen. She could have had all the belief in the world. Right? She could have full confidence that I'm able. But if she never cries out, help doesn't come. And there she is on her side. It's not enough for us to just believe in God. We need to cry out to him. You need to say personally, in the depths of your heart, Jesus Christ, I confess that I cannot save myself. That's Sadie on her little bike. Daddy, I confess I cannot save myself. She said that, that whole sentence while she's falling. <laughs> confess I cannot save myself. You've got to cry out to God that I need your help. Save me from my sins. That's number one. That's where Paul ends, okay? That's the end goal. Because the promise is, look again in verse 13. What's it say? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. That's glorious. But we got to get there. So what's the step that comes before calling? Well, it's belief for this. And see if you can find that in your word search there. Right? It's, this is the true understanding of the heart. Verse 14, Paul asks the question, how can they call on the one they haven't believed in? Now, I, um, I like pizza. Anybody with me there? Yeah. Uh, how would it work, do you suppose, if I dialed 911 to order a pizza? Would that work? No. Or what if I called Pizza Hut for an emergency? Uh, my, my point in, in saying that is it doesn't matter how much belief I have that the 911 operator can make me a pizza, they ain't going to make me a pizza. Do you understand? I, I could have full confidence. Call, uh, dial up Pizza Hut. Hey, I got an emergency here. I got a full confidence. I could have all the belief in the world. But if it is misplaced, you understand me? If it's not true belief, I'm out of luck for pizza and I'm out of luck for help. Because I need to make sure that my belief is correct. Do you know that today we live in a world where there are cults, there are different systems of belief that preach Jesus? Did you know that? Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses preach that Jesus is the uh, New Testament version of the Old Testament angel, Archangel Michael. That those are the same person. And do you know Mormons believe that Jesus is the spirit brother of the devil? That's the Jesus they believe in. No, we believe that Jesus is the eternally begotten only Son of God the Father, by which he created all things. Those are three different kinds of Jesus. What good is it to call on the one that isn't the true one? You see, you have to have true understanding of the heart. Uh, Jesus understands this as he uh, preaches to the crowds in Matthew 7. Uh, look what he says. Not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. What's he going to say? I never knew. You were calling on the wrong Jesus. 
You were, you were, you were, I don't know what you thought you were calling on, but it was not the correct one. Paul's going to say this, and this is what we have to catch. This fourth point that gets us to the fact that people can call means we have to have true belief. For how are they going to call on the right one if they don't believe in the right one? All right, let's look into the third one. They need to hear. Uh, This is personally listening. Personally listening. When my son is playing on his iPad and I I say something to him, he says, what? (laughs) Hey, did you hear me? I heard you. What I say then? You know there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? Everybody knows that? If you have children, you totally know that is true. Um, you, you need to be listening for, for Jesus. I want to say this. It's not enough to listen to a sermon. Oh, I heard the pastor. I heard him. Yeah, but were you listening? You need to listen for Jesus Christ in his word. You need to listen for the voice of the Spirit to speak to you. Otherwise, you might get it as wrong as the simple illustration of Simon Says. The Spirit could be speaking, but you're like, oh, what? You need to be listening personally, tuning your heart to hear his voice. Uh, This is what Jesus says in John chapter 10. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep, what? Listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he's brought them Out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. How about us? Are we personally listening? You need to hear. You need to hear from God. I'll tell you this. It doesn't um, make sense for you to come to church if you're not listening. Uh, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going in your garage makes you a car. You sit in your garage all day long. That doesn't make you a car. Well, that's where cars go. Well, so coming to church, because that's where Christians go, that doesn't make you a Christian. You've got to follow this train of, train of thought. This, these steps in order of how a person are saved are all required. And if you miss any one, you'll miss the whole thing. Because it ends with calling. But you've got to believe on the right one. But to believe, you've got to be listening. You've got to hear. All right, number two is this. There has to be apostolic teaching of the gospel. Which is preaching. The, the point of this that I want to emphasize to you is where is the source of your authority? What are you listening to? Where, where do you find what is true? Hey, did you hear what Oprah said? Or the one that I hear a lot. Did you hear what the Discovery Channel said? How, how, about, you, how about you listen to the preaching of God's word? We got some really good radio stations in the UP that offer fantastic, uh, authoritative, Bible-based preaching. All of the sermons that we offer here at Grace are available uh, podcast streamed from our, from our website. Where do you find the source of your authority? It has to be apostolic teaching. Second Timothy, this is the command that's given here. He writes, Paul writes to Timothy, In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who uh, will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, one command. Look at it. Preach the word. He doesn't say preach about the word. He doesn't say preach from the word. He says preach the word. Give the church God's word. 
Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And here's the reason why. Here's why it's got to be careful. Why you and I need to be careful that we're listening. For the time will come. You see this up here? For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. This is the world you live in today. It it used to be that you could go to church and without question you knew you were reading God's word. I'm sorry to tell you that that does not happen any longer. There are far too many churches and preachers that are too encumbered by pressures from culture and the government and the, the way the world thinks that they refuse to preach God's word. Instead, they're, they're afraid of the people, and so they're only going to say what you want to hear. I, I hope I never am accused of that. And I hope at any moment you're offended, if you're offended because God's word is truth and that's encountering your life, you need to wrestle with that. We need to have godly preaching. Look what they they will do in these last times. They'll turn their ears away from truth. There has to be apostolic teaching of the gospel. We need good preachers. And finally, the work of the church, the movement of the church is sending. Matthew 9, Jesus says these words. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You guys ever been up there to Calumet to pick uh, blueberries? Anybody have gone up there? I know there were a few folks from our church that went up there before. Lance, is it? Yeah, uh, there, there are a ton of blueberries. This is not an advertisement for them, but there's a ton of blueberries up there. They need pickers. I, I have something to share with you, though. There are far more lost people in our world than there are blueberries. I'm going to say that again. There are far more lost people in our world today then there are blueberries. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his fields. This is our, this is our challenge. So I, I have just a few points of conclusion as we wrap this up. Number one, uh, God's word is truth. It's the first thing I want you to see. God's word is truth. And you see in verse 8, as Paul makes this argument for Israel, he says, well, what does it say? But the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It's the word of faith we're proclaiming that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God's word is truth. Uh, You think I got a verse for that? I got a verse for that, y'all. Jesus says in Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Or how about this one in John 17, as we heard in our... um, our scripture reading this, this morning. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is what? Truth. It's not what's coming across the television. It's not how I feel today. It's not I was walking out in the woods and God spoke to me. It's his word, church. His word is truth. This is where we stand in no other place. And where you struggle with that, you need to ask the spirit to help you. For it is his word alone that we must stand upon. So first of all, his word is truth. Secondly, our message is, look, it's really simple. Heather, is that right? Is that true in the DR? 
That works over there too, right? Yeah, that works. Uh, how, how about Angie teaching in school? Is this true there too? Yeah. Jesus is Lord. That's our message. Look with me again in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, what is it? Do you see it? Verse 9. There it is. Jesus is Lord. That's the message. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says these words. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Isn't that, isn't that weird? You got all these people following Jesus being like, Oh, Lord Jesus, you're our Lord. Jesus is really confused. Because these people aren't doing what he says. Do you know that's what it means to make Jesus your Lord? He is the one who is in charge of my life. Simon says, go. What, what, what do I do if it's the Lord speaking? Go. If I don't go, why do I call him Lord? <laughs> and I don't do what he says. Look at how he continues. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. It's that first verse up there. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? That's our message. Jesus is Lord. Lastly is this. You are sent into the world. You are sent. You remember this verse? We just read it. Right? He goes, Jesus goes through all the towns. He says, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out his workers. Do you know that? I'm talking to you now. Do you know that you're sent by God? Heather gave us a great uh, impression of her own heart of recognizing that these are the works that God has prepared in advance for her to send her. Same with you. God has sent you into this world. You are his ambassadors. You are his representatives. You are his missionaries working in the harvest field. I want to give you the last half of the verse in John 17. When Jesus is sanctified by the truth, your word is truth. Look what he says next. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So here's my question for you. Where has God placed you to bring good news? Where has God placed you to bring good news? And maybe a more important question. And it's the reason why I put this in your sermon notes for a word search. How, how did you find those words this morning? Hopefully you're trying it. How did you find them? By doing what? By searching. That's right. And by searching, guess what you did? You found them. Are you searching in your own life? Are you looking for those fields that God has put you in? Emily and I had to be real intentional with blueberries, right? You, you got to go after them. You got to find them, right? That is the exact same principle I'm preaching to you this morning. But are you searching? Because they're out there. 